This inspiring message comes to you from Impact Church in Kingston, Ontario, where we are committed to living like Jesus and loving like Jesus. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. Well, um, how many were here last week? Okay, how many were not? Don't put up your hands. It's okay. Just, it's all good. Uh, if you were not, I want you to listen to last week's message because it ties into this week's in some ways. Not that it's a series, but it's, it ties in. We talked about this concept of when you're going through things in life, oftentimes people are desperately looking for meaning in everything. They're trying to find the meaning in every situation and every circumstance. And sometimes when we go on this vast adventure trying to find meaning, Oftentimes we get disappointed because the meaning we find is not something we want to find, or sometimes we never find the meaning that we're looking for. And so the one thing we talked about last week is in the midst of circumstances and in the midst of a battle, don't try to find meaning, forge meaning in the midst of it. In other words, you just, just go and do what God's asked you to do. Just be faithful, and no matter what, be faithful. Because when you're faithful to God in the midst of every circumstance, it's amazing how later on in life you begin to understand the very meaning that you were created for. Amen? And so what I want to talk about this morning, and I'm tying it in, is what I'm calling this morning the battle within. How many know that the battle comes around us, but sometimes the greatest struggle is the battle that goes on within us? And, you know, as obviously we learned last week about the difference between forging meaning versus finding meaning, and, and it can also be, this battle within can also be the very same reason that we as Christians and as believers dance between this concept of peace and anxiety. We dance between kindness and jealousy. We dance between forgiveness and accusation. How many have ever been there? How many were there on the way to church this morning? Don't put up your hands. How many are going to be dealing with your spouse after service? No, I'm just kidding. Don't put up your hands. We don't, we don't respond that way. That's all good. But when we were uh, just... Actually, as I was processing through our Bible reading plan and realizing we were jumping into the book of Galatians, which is one of my favorites... One of my favorites. It's an awesome book. I started to, to kind of hone in on this concept that's actually talked about in the book of Galatians, and I'm calling it the battle within. Galatians chapter 5, verses 17, describes this battle perfectly. Are you ready for this? It says this in the New Living Translation. It says, the sinful nature wants to do evil. Right? Of course, that's not us, right? Look to your neighbor. It's not me. It's vicious rumors floating around. Okay. Um, The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. How many heard that verse and thought to myself, man, that's a description of some of my life, right? Right? Where you know what the right thing to do is in that moment, but in the moment you just can't find enough gumption to do it. Because you've got all of this other stuff fighting against you. Well, he goes on in verses 19 to 25 in Galatians chapter 5, and he explains the differences between the sinful nature and the fruit of the Spirit in such detail. Listen to this. It says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. So in other words, Paul's saying, listen, don't misunderstand misunderstand it or don't mistake it, it's very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. What a great way to come to church this morning. (laughs) 
Yes, this is a great word. All right. And then just so you don't miss it, guess what he says? He says, let me tell you again as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Then he goes on, verse 22, and he says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And there is no law against such things. This is ultimately the battle that we face. Can I say this morning, your weakness doesn't define you. Your weakness does not change your identity because your identity is that you're a child of God. And if you've never made a decision to follow God before in your life, you can before the service is over, and then you can say, I'm a child of God. So whenever the enemy comes, you need to say, listen, uh, my identity isn't in those things. I'm a child of God. But your weakness, your sin, your struggle does not define you. Do you believe that this morning? I've realized in my life that there's two pains that we can choose to go through. Are you ready for this? We can go through the pain of discipline (laughs) or the pain of regret. Two pains. The pain of discipline, we discipline ourselves not to do that which is wrong. We discipline ourselves not to overeat and have sour cream and onion chips too many times in one week. Sorry. I just feel like I need to confess right now. Lord Jesus, forgive me. It wasn't my fault. The Ruffles Bay called my name as I was walking down aisle five. It happens every time I go to Walmart. Lord, if you would stop the voices, I would be a strong believer in you. Thank you, Jesus. But in everything in life, we have two choices. We can literally go through the pain of discipline or we can go through the pain of regret. How many know that discipline doesn't feel great in the moment, but its fruit is long-lasting? Regret stays with you for a long time, and it's not healthy. As a matter of fact, it causes hopelessness, it causes frustration, and it causes greater pain than we can usually handle. Two choices this morning. But this whole concept that's being captured, this battle within, is that when every temptation comes and we choose to give in to that temptation, our sinful desires start to come alive, and how many know the consequences follow? Right? But I have news for you this morning. Jesus provided a way for you to overcome the battle within and to break every chain and to break every bondage of the past so that you can be free, so that you don't have to be defined by what happened to you yesterday, a week ago, a year ago, 10 years ago, 25 years ago. You don't have to be defined by that any longer. The enemy loves to keep you in the past. God says, listen, let's move forward. Let's, let's deal with something today so that we can have a bright uh, a future together. How in the world did he break every chain? How in the world did he provide for us so that we could overcome what I'm calling this morning the battle within? Now, John 16, verse 7. In the New American Standard Bible, it says this, but I tell you the truth. Jesus was speaking to his disciples. But I tell you to the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For I do not go, for if I do not go away, the helper, capital H, shall not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. The very person that Jesus promised was this person of, of God, part of the Trinity called the Holy Spirit. His name that Jesus gives him is helper. How many are so thankful we have the helper in our lives this morning? Amen? I think it's awesome. 
Well, the Apostle Paul goes on in his writings in Romans chapter 6, and he talks about, in greater detail, this battle that goes on within us. Let's just track down uh, chapter 6, verses 12 to 22 together, and then we're going to move along here with the message. It says in verse 12, it says, Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to the sinful desires. What in the world is Paul doing here? He's actually warning the church, not about sin itself, but about the power of sin. Amen? It's not just the sin issue, because how many know that sins are problems? But he's talking about what we give power to, what we empower. And so it's a huge thing that we have to get a hold of. Verse 13, it says this, Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. Give yourselves completely to God. Give yourselves completely to God. How many know that when we give ourselves only half of ourselves to God, there's a problem? Right? It creates an open door for the enemy to come and to move and to start speaking lies and to start speaking things in our hearts and in our minds that would cause doubt towards the things of God. When we completely give ourselves to God, one of the things that I've constantly seen with believers that have given themselves completely to God is there's clarity that comes about who God is and who they are in God. Seems to be no question about that. Amen? It says, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have New life. How many want new life? Amen? So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Every time I read that verse, I remember the music man. Remember him? Where he could play like seven instruments all at the same time. Remember the 1970s? Come on, am I totally outdating myself here? Everyone's looking at me like, the music man, who's that? How many remember the music man? Okay, all five of us. Yeah! The rest of you? I'll pray for you. Every time I read that verse, I just keep picturing in my mind the music man. This guy could play like seven instruments all at the same time. He's incredible. It says, completely to God. Give yourselves completely to God. That word completely literally means in its entirety, undivided, uncompromised. Give yourselves completely to God. Verse 14, sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. So the battle within really is about who is your master. Amen? Want proof? Let's keep reading. Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? Of course not. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? That's huge. You become a slave of whatever you choose to obey. You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. This is huge concept. goes on in verse 17. It says, thank God for once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin, and you have become slaves to righteous living. Because of the weakness of your human nature, I am using the illustration of slavery to help you understand all of this. Previously, you let yourselves be slaves to impurity and lawlessness, which led even deeper into sin. Now you must give yourselves to be slaves to righteous living so that you will become holy. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. And what was the result? You are now ashamed of the things you used to do. Remember the pain of regret? Things that end in eternal doom. But now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God. Now you do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. At the end of the day, we are still responsible for the decisions we make. We're responsible for what 
we do. But going back to this key verse in Galatians chapter 5, this is what Paul wants us to walk in. He wants us to walk in love. He wants us to walk in joy. He wants us to walk in peace. How many want a little bit of that? How many of you know that he wants us to walk in kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness? And some of us are really excited that the ninth one was added in, self-control. Some of us not so much, right? Come on, let's be honest this morning. So how or why do we struggle? Why is there always this battle within between becoming a slave to sin or a slave to those sinful desires that are in our hearts versus being a slave to God and, and listening to the Holy Spirit. Well, I want to share with you one really basic idea today. Simple idea. has two parts, but I want to share one idea. That's all I'm going to share. When we get to the end of the message and we're going to do our test, this is the only thing you have to remember. Kidding. We don't, we've never done a test here, although we should start. Let's start this morning. Kidding, I'm not going to do that. But we only have one idea that has two parts. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, backing up a couple verses. It says this, So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. So I say to you, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Here's the thought. Are you ready for this? In your life, don't say don't. Say help. Write it down. Don't say don't. Say help. Do you know that every single time you say don't, you feed the very desire in you that wants to accomplish that thing? Right? Can I give you an illustration of that? I wanted to do props and everything, but I just didn't have the time to pull it off. But I want you to, if you can this morning, picture a a fence going right across the front of this stage here. And so some of you, maybe some of you, you know, park your car and walk into work, or maybe it's in your neighborhood, but this picture for a second, a fence that you literally walk by every single day of your life, at least five days a week. And one day, you're walking by this fence, and for the first time in your life, you see this hole in this fence, and there's some words written over top of the hole, and it says this, under no circumstances look through this hole. And in the background, somewhere behind the fence, you hear some guy in the background going, 12, 12, 12, and you're thinking to yourself, what in the world's going on? Of course, if we're all being normal and being human, the first things that start to go through our mind is, who in the world put the hole in the fence? And why in the world did they put those words there? And what do they want us not to see? And why does someone have a love for the number 12? All of these things that start to get us going. And in that very moment, we give in to the sinful desire to look. And we take a look through the hole and someone on the other side pokes us in the eye. And then... Five seconds later, they go, 13, 13, 13. When we say don't, inside of us, we say, oh yeah, watch me do it. How do I know? I'm a father. I was looking at my my little Gracie this morning going, Gracie, don't crawl under the chair. And I thought to myself, 
that would ruin the message for today if I said that. Hmm. Then I'm thinking to myself, do you need help onto your chair, dear, so you can sit, sit nice and be really good for daddy and mommy today as they play for Jesus? All these things were going through my mind during the entire last song while we were playing. And every time I'm playing the drums, I'm sitting going, focus on Jesus. Great are you, Lord. What are you doing? There's 89 chairs to pick from, and you pick the floor. No, yours. No. (laughs) (sighs) The word don't messes us all up. Amen? Right? It messes us all up. In my experience as a father and as a pastor, (laughs) when you say don't, it usually has one of two results. Number one, people strive to attain something right or good. Or number two, an increase happens in their life in wanting to do something wrong. But it rarely ever works. Because the person striving and attaining to goodness or to the right thing often becomes very legalistic in their lifestyle as they continue to do that. Those that rebel and Increase in that evil desire oftentimes create messes for their own life that they, ever, they always feel like they can never get out of. So what in the world should we do? Romans 7. Just a couple of verses I want to read here. It says, What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. Indeed, I would not have known what sin was except through the law. For I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had not said, Do not covet. The law is good because it shows us what is wrong. In other words, it gives definition to it. It helps us to define what is wrong. Verses 8 and 9, it says, But sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, produced in me every kind of covetous desire. Far apart from, uh, for apart from law, sin is dead. Once I was alive, apart from law. But when the commandment came, get this, sin sprang to life. Under no circumstances... Look through that hole. Well, why not? What's on the other side? What can I do? What can I say? Don't say don't. Say help. Amen? The Holy Spirit was sent as what? Helper. When temptation comes, don't say don't. Say help. Holy Spirit, help me. Holy Spirit, Help me to overcome pride with humility. Holy Spirit, help me to think of others before myself. Holy Spirit, help me to have self-control in the area that I'm weak. Help me. Some people say, well, what about boundaries or wisdom? Hey, they're good. Trust me, they're good. But do you know what? It's very hard to scream out help when you're in the back seat with your girlfriend. Thud. <laughs> All you youth pastors said, Amen. It's very hard when you're in the midst of the temptation, when you've already said yes too far along the way, to say help at the end. What's the first thing we need to do? Say help. Help is not the ninth thing we say, it's the first thing we say. Amen? 
Some others will say, well, what about lists? Aren't they important? I absolutely think they are. God's top 10 was a brilliant thought, right? Who cares about David Letterman? God's top 10 list far outweighs his. And I'll tell you right now, lists are good. And many of us, sometimes, depending on the background that we've had in church, see the Bible as this big, long book of lists of do's and don'ts, right? Some of us were raised in church to think that the Bible is one big list of do's and don'ts. But I I grew up in church, and I can honestly say that a lot of the people that I grew up with in church left church and left God because of the list. Now, I'm not against the list, because why is the list important? It gives definition. Definition's important. Why? Because it helps us to know what truth is. But can I say this this morning? When Sandra and I parent our kids, we don't parent them to be fearful of what is wrong or the consequence of what is wrong. We parent them to love what is right. Right? Right? When I pastor people, I'm pastoring people to love what is right, to love what is godly, rather than put all the, all the focus on, well, if you do this, then this has to die. You're going to die. I don't do that. Now, I think it sometimes, okay? I have, to admit, I have to be honest this morning. Sometimes I've had the thought. Sometimes it's even slipped out. Not often, but every once in a while, when I'm struggling... And the filter disappears, it comes out. But I'll tell you, God wants to know today that the list cannot be the motivation. The list is the definition. The motivation is a heart desiring to please God. But if we live our entire life based upon our motivation being a list, then guess what happens? God can only get through to our heads, but never to our hearts. And God ultimately wants to get through to our hearts so that he can change what we think. People that live in lists live right up here. That's why they struggle to understand God down here. It's a huge concept, but I have news for you today. The lists are good, but not for the purpose that many of us think it is. It's there for definition. It's not for motivation. Do you believe that this morning? Every time that we say help, we acknowledge our dependence upon our loving Heavenly Father. Every time we say help, we disarm the very root of pride in our life. Every time we say help, we develop a teachable spirit. That's what I want. I don't know about you as a parent, but one of the greatest feelings that I've ever had in my life as a father is when my kids come and ask me for help. Something about it just makes me feel needed. It makes me feel important. It makes me feel like they value me. Kids, are you listening? Okay. (laughs) It makes me feel valued. (laughs) And our Heavenly Father feels the same way when you come to Him that way. When we can come to him and say, Father, I need help. It's powerful. Don't say don't. Say help. Father, I pray right now for every single person that is in this place. I pray, Lord God, that you would come and you would remind them first and foremost that because of the cross, The battle is already won. And Father, we don't have to strive towards impressing you. 
For Father, identity is not in our striving, but our identity is simply knowing that we're a child of God. Father, I pray, Lord God, that when temptation comes and when those sinful desires come, that we're not going to say don't, but we're going to say help. Because when we say help, we place the emphasis back on where it should be, which is you. Father, we thank you for what you're doing this morning. And we pray, Lord God, that you do a miraculous work in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to one of our messages from Impact Church. We hope and trust that this message encouraged you. If you want to find out more information about our church, check us out online at www.impactkingston.com.